This is a Handshake Agency podcast. Welcome to That Sucks. Presented by Handshake Agency. You're on the best network in town. Coming at you hot. <laughs> That's a lot. This is Troy. And I'm not. I'm rhyming. I'm Dan. Oh, I like it. And I welcome, like that. Welcome to the podcast. Should we start every podcast with a wrap? I think it's pretty good. And we're in episode 48. This is 48. Yeah. E- episode 48. I can't I can't believe it. Here we are. Here we are, you bunch of suckers. Bunch of suckers. You suckers. Thanks for all the positive feedback from the episode last week. How have you been the past couple of weeks? You know what? Things have been okay. Um, yeah. Went to South Australia. And you got a lovely uh, leather jacket there, I see. Oh, mate, we talked about that last episode, remember? We did not, did we? Yeah, we did. I, no, the leather jacket's breaking you nicely, but um, no, I went to South Australia. That was cool. Um, back in WA now, the, well, the West Coast, the best coast. And uh, that's pretty more, much more it, rap. Man. That's more rap. Oh, sure. What about you, man? What's been going on? Well, I'll tell you, right. You know how that Friends reunion special just came out recently? Yep. I was like, you know what? I've got uh, I've got friends on DVD, all 10 seasons. Oh, yeah? From when I was in high school, I, you know you know when you'd actually buy DVDs? Yeah, but I wouldn't buy Friends. Fuck well, I bought show, all 10 seasons and I thought, oh, and then something hit me. It was nagging at me and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hand you something here. Oh, yeah? Friends, the complete eighth season. And you got Matthew Perry on the front. We can get a cameo from him. We did get a cameo from him, kind of. That's right. Oh, that's weird. Oh, it's missing a disc. It's missing a fucking disc. Yeah, that's shit. Because when I was in high school, I lent that to somebody and they returned it without the disc. And now it's lost. Oh, wow. Shit. Or, or okay, it could be, you could consider it lost. Why did you leave? Wait, <laughs> you, you, you lent the whole DVD and they lost one of the DVDs, not just like the one, like disc three you didn't lend to your friend? No, I gave them, I gave them the complete season eight and they returned it missing incomplete. one of the four discs. You got the incomplete season eight, eight season yeah, of Friends. this okay. is bullshit. So, would you, all right, I've got a question for you. Yeah. I, for the longest time, have been like, uh, it, it's lost. Mm-hmm. If they returned it without the disc, could I say it's been stolen? Uh, yeah, I guess so. So, just beep that out. When you borrowed that off me and did not return it with the disc, you got you got to know, you know, this is, we're going back 15 years now, but I, I never got over that. That's fucked. And that leads me to t- today's episode. That's the worst segue. I can't believe that's the whole- <laughs> I had a prop and everything. That's ridiculous. Um, I can't believe that you had that DVD as easily- as easily accessible as it was yeah, that you t- could just pull it out. I told you that I've never forgotten about it. That That's, betrayal. I've boxed every DVD and CD up of mine because I don't use anything like that anymore. Do you even have a DVD player? Uh, I've got a computer. I've got a computer that doesn't have a disc drive in it, so... Well, you know what? That just means you can't be watching Friends on disc. No, actually, I guess I can do it on the PlayStation, but... Eh. So, yeah, that... Come on, that was... Okay. It, look, it was a lot of work, but... It was a lot of work to pay It was off. a lot of work for me to edit that into something usable. Okay. <laughs> Good. See, you know, you've lost some time. I'm going to lose my mind in a second as well. I'm gonna, and my temper. Good. <laughs> Have you lost anything? Um, Ever? I've had lots stolen from me. Well, um, actually, that was... I was going to ask you. There's been some incidents here, correct? I've had my car broken into, I think, three times. Um, so, I've lost I've lost musical equipment, PA gear, th- about three times, which really, you'd think I would have learnt after probably the first one. Um, on the plus side, the second time I got stuff stolen, of which I, I lost like a pedal board and all this, um, I got pinched out of my car. Uh, I got that back, which was pretty great. Um, I'm not sure if I've told this story before, but 
the entire thing that was stolen, like all my effects pedals uh, and the Which cables. Is expensive, and like yeah, there was like money. over a thousand dollars worth of stuff that was stolen. Um, it all ended up listed on a local uh, buy buy gear page, like buy music from the thief. Page. No, so what had happened is this guy just listed it. He'd bought it at a police auction, and everything was there identical, like it had basically never been touched. So I I was actually on a flying back from New South Wales, I think at the time. I was doing a gig over there, and I saw it as the plane was leaving. And I messaged the the guy that was running the page and said, hey, man, this is my pedal board. What do I do? And long story short, I ended up getting my gear back. So, the guy had bought it from a police auction. So, we had to go to the police station, sign some documents. And after about two or three weeks, um, he handed over the pedal board and I got it back and he got cash. That's a great outcome. Now, what about you? Have you had some stuff lost or stolen? I don't know if I've told you this before, but- Taste of Chaos, that emo, punk rock, heavy metal festival, Rise Against played one year with The Used and things like that. And I had a friend who just always found himself in really weird situations mm-hmm. and he had a little too much to drink that that concert. I was, just, I was just watching him and it was like something from a movie. The security guard went to tie his shoe and while he was doing that, my friend just drunkenly stumbled past him backstage. Oh, I, was wow. like, I was like, shit. So, I chased after him because I was like, this so isn't going to end well. Uh-huh. I know. I, I, well, I almost lost my friend and I was about to lose my cool. Followed him, ended up backstage with all the bands and the used and he was like speaking with them and he finds this pre- practice pad, like a drum practice pad, which is like a little rubber yep. kind of thing that drummers will use to warm up and it had Rise Against written on it and it was like lots of scribbles and, you know, like the Rise Against drummers practice pad, obviously. Mm-hmm. And um, he took it. Oh, right. And then we got a, we eventually got ejected from backstage because the guy's like, where's your pass? So we, we don't have one. You know, that, that, that's a really shit thing to do. But anyway, later that day, we caught up with some other friends and they were doing a signing. Mm-hmm. Rise Against were doing a signing and we lined up. We got to the front and my friend pulled out the practice pad and <laughs> asked him to sign it. <laughs> he just, the drummer of Rise Against looks at it, looks at him. He's like, what is happening? And he just puts <laughs> it behind him in disbelief. That's and really then funny. That, that was the end of it. But the audacity to steal something off someone and then be like, hey, can you sign this for me? Wow. So, he stole it and then he lost it. He stole it and both. The, the double the double the, banger. The double whammy. The double whammy, yeah. So, that's that's my that's probably the funniest story I can relay was uh, just my friend being a real real bloody hooligan. Yeah. And you're um, not much of a stealer. You're not a thief, are you? No, 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 no. Yeah, I don't like doing that. If I forget to pay for something, I'll go back to the shop and be like, oh, here you go. I've- I have been that guy, but I don't do that so much anymore. Um, I also want to give props. This I, this was an <laughs> no, to please. I, I'm all I'm all propped out today, Dan. This was so. this was an episode idea from Jessica Dale at the music. So thank you for the the idea there. Remember, I told you I, I'm no longer going to be the one suggesting ideas because mine are that's pretty terrible. They're useless. So yep. yeah, and a big congratulations to Jess who was recently named on the Music Network's 30 Under 30 list. Oh, way to go! Congratulations. She's coming for your job, buddy. I'm not under 30 anymore. What What about you, Dan? Did you just narrowly miss out because you're old or because you suck? Probably a bit of both. Uh, I lost. I lost out on that one. It was stolen from me. Oh, shit. Let's get into it. I thought we had. Have we not started? No, that's all That's all not. That's, that, that's the warm-up. Delete it. Jesus Christ. So, first of all, I want to talk about it. Uh, did you see all that stuff to do with the tiger loose in the suburbs in Houston, Texas? Oh, recently? no. Just remind me. Maybe I heard about it. Hey, you can just, just press play on this and give me a- Little description. Oh shit! Is that a tiger just roaming the suburbs? Yeah. Where is he going? Towards, going a, up- towards a man with a gun. Oh no! 
No, don't shoot the tiger. Well, he's got his gun drawn and he's stepping back slowly and the tiger's just approaching him. I mean, maybe that's a good idea. Well, you kind of have to have some sort of backup there. I don't agree with shooting a tiger. Yeah. But it's in the suburbs. Wow. Wow. What a situation to find yourself in. How would... Okay, so... (laughs) And you can't... If you run, the tiger will get you. That's the thing, man. Let me just relay the the video that I watched. There's a, a stray tiger clearly just roaming the suburbs and he's walking slowly up to a man that has his gun drawn. So... A lot to um, unpack here, Daniel. Yeah. So what Would happens you, is uh, just quickly, if you if you're in this situation, firstly, is this a um, is this one of the rare pros for having lax gun safety laws in America? And no, because the reason <laughs> there's a fucking tiger loose in the suburbs is because their laws are fucked. You wouldn't there wouldn't be a tiger loose in the Australian suburbs, so you wouldn't need a no, gun. No, but like. <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, I, I think it's. I think we can all agree that. In case of tiger, it's good to good to have a, a a handgun on you at all times, or maybe an AK forty seven in case there's two tigers. Yeah, just a, just a just a rocket launcher. Yeah, and what would you? So you're saying you can't run because then the no, tiger yeah, will chase you. you. Yeah, exactly. If you try to run away, the tiger will chase you. What but- if you ran into the tiger? Would you do that? Well, so someone does run at it. I'll mm. give you a bit of background. So that guy who was backing away with a gun, he was an off duty deputy. Okay. So he had every reason to have that gun, and I guess he knew what, how to deal with that. Well, he's American, so he's going to have a gun anyway, right? So, this dude comes out of a house and he's like, oh, you know, don't shoot it, don't shoot it. He leans down. So, he goes over to the tiger, leans down, kisses it, and escorts it into his house. Oh. Yeah, so, obviously, this deputy's called the police because- mm-hmm. And the police rock up shortly after, and that dude who kind of escorted the tiger into his house is seen bailing in an SUV, oh. and he, he gets away from the police. Mm-hmm. So, the guy's name is Victor Cuevas. Mm-hmm. And he allegedly murdered someone in 2017 without oh. on bond when all this is happening. So the, the police arrest him the following day at his parents' house. He's charged with evading arrest. And the nuts thing is, no one knew where the freaking tiger was. It's freaking like they arrest him. Like, where's the tiger? He's like, it's not mine. It's a, it's a friend's. Oh. No one knows where it is, what it's doing. Well, presumably that he's given the tiger back to the friends. So you well, can imagine the tiger's safe. It wasn't until May 15, so what was that? So, this happened on May 9. Uh-huh. May 15 is when um, police say they found the tiger and it was safe. Right. But, uh, you know- Wait, this you- is this year? Yeah, this was, like wow. last, this was like last month. So, you can imagine bloody these people in that suburb being like, well, where the fuck is the tiger? <laughs> like, Jesus Christ, find it. What's your first thought there? Are you worried about the safety of the tiger or the safety of the community? Uh, both, both. Because, I mean, you, my first thought was, Jesus, what if a little kid was riding his bike outside or something? I didn't even think about kids. I, I, I guess I was it, more thinking- It looks thinking, like a nice suburban it street. Does. But sorry, go on. But, you know, that kid's probably got a handgun, so the kid's taken care <laughs> Two of. Two handguns. Yeah. Also, the tiger. I just felt sorry for that tiger being, like, living, being domesticated like that. I think if Tiger King taught us anything, though, it's that having a domesticated tiger isn't that crazy of a, of a proposition. Did you see the Tiger King news? Oh, they raided the house, didn't they? Jeffrey Lowe and his wife Lauren Lowe, the mm. you know, the villains of bloody yeah. Tiger King documentary. <laughs> they one of a- the many villain villains of that documentary. It was series. um it was raided in May and they got sixty eight big cats from the park. They were they were oh. seized. Because apparently, this is, I don't get this. Apparently, they were believed to have been sold, purchased, or transported, which violates the Endangered Species Act. Oh, okay. So it's like, oh, does that mean 
like, how the fuck did you get them there in the first place? They were obviously transported to get there, right? Yeah, I mean, they could have been bred there, but it doesn't seem like that's that, safe of an environment. That was probably their, like, tigers. angle was we've, we've bred them here, and then they looked into it and found... Yeah, we should watch Tiger King again. Like I'd, ra- a, I'd rather not. A one-year retrospective of Tiger King. <laughs> a lot has changed. The, um, oh, so, the, that guy, Victor Cuevas... Um, one of his neighbors was like, yeah, I, I, went, I walked past his house once and there was like a chimp in the window, like mm. gone loco. <laughs> but that's so, the thing, you know, people have, well, the whole Tiger King thing was that people like having these exotic animals. That's a pastime. It's a hobby for them. Mm. You know, there was, there's a few people that- Which is pretty cruel to the animals. Yeah, it's it's cruel to the animals. Absolutely. I mean, that's, I'm not saying it's a good thing, but it's, it's clearly a thing that people are comfortable doing. Mm. So, I guess it's just not surprising. If it was Australia, you'd be like, holy shit. Yeah. But because it's America and because of Tiger King specifically, you're kind of like- But let's also- uh, Surely people have got crazy animals in captivity in Australia too. Like, it's, it can't be limited to America. white in the bathroom. Yeah. Uh, crocodiles in the toilet. Well, all right. From big cats to big bird. <laughs> <laughs> the big bird. The big bird. So, back in April, there was a, a costume stolen from the Adelaide Circus and it oh. fucking blew up. I'll send you a photo of this. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah it's straight up big bird. It's a big bird. How yep. much do you reckon that would cost? Minimum, I'd say $3,000. <laughs> up. Up. 10000 Up. Really? 20000 Up. Oh my God. 50000 Up. A hundred thousand dollars? Have five hundred thousand dollars? One hundred and sixty thousand dollars? What? Okay, so I think what's happened is some people have <laughs> thought what you thought. A couple of couple of guys have thought, oh, you know, this this big bird costume's cool, and just have assumed it's probably worth only a couple of thousand dollars. Yeah, if that these guys nicked it on a Sunday, like overnight, and it was covered by national news and kind of went viral on social media. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I think they realized, could you, could you, can you imagine taking that as a prank and then hearing it's worth $160,000? Yeah. You would be like sweating. You'd just be thinking, am I going to jail because of this? I mean, the only reason I can think of it costing that much, because there's no costume in the world that should cost, well, not no costume, an, a, a Tony Stark Iron Man suit, I could imagine costing $160,000, but a Big Bird costume that is probably- Think about the materials in a big bird costume. So it's a lot of feathers. Oh yeah, but not one hundred sixty thousand dollars worth of feathers. But probably having to be licensed from about, the Jim yeah. Henson Company. That that sort of thing. I could imagine it costing a lot of money. That still is an exaggeration. The thieves were like probably shitting themselves. The Wednesday following, they dropped it in a park. I'm going to send you a photo of what it looked like. <laughs> <laughs> It looks like Big Bird's been murdered and just like- <laughs> Oh, man. I love this photo so much. Um, and then uh, attached to What's it- What's in its mouth? I don't know. <laughs> Look at it. Look at the mouth. It's got something in there. Is that is that what Big Bird has? No, Big Bird's got a red mouth on the inside. Okay, maybe now we're we're understanding why it's worth that much money because that oh, looks like right. uh, mechanical equipment or some sort of I guess so. video or audio. So attached to it was uh, a note, and the police put up a photo of the note, like some guys holding gloves and showing the camera for yep. the police, South Australian police. It says, "We are so sorry. We had no idea what we were doing or what our actions would cause. We were just having a rough time, and we were trying to cheer ourselves up." We had a great time with Mr. Bird. He's a great guy and no harm came to our friend. Sorry to be such a big burden. Sincerely, the Big Bird Bandits. 
God. And then two days later, a couple of guys got charged over the incident. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, well, fair enough. What did they get charged? Like, well, they haven't gone to court yet. I right. think they're yeah, it's uh, still upcoming. So um, should we take a quick break? I was, I was just about to say, we should take a quick break. Yeah, let's do that. And we'll but come back. Too, we'll go learn about Big Bird. And uh, you can just, just relax to the sound of these wonderful messages from our sponsors. You know what sucks? What? The NRL. That's a hot take. That's not the only take. And you know what doesn't suck? Tell me. The take with Willie Mason on the Handshake Agency Network. That's right. Ex-NRL and Australian international player Willie Mason discusses all things rugby league. You don't have to be a fan of the sport to get sucked into the podcast. But don't just take our word for it. Head over to thepodcasts.com.au now and listen for yourself. Our bad. Sometimes things get stolen, like Big Bird, and they're returned. Mm-hmm. Because obviously someone's realised they've stolen something worth more than they might earn in several years. Yep. Other times, people take justice into their own hands. Have you heard of the, the, those glitter bomb things? Uh, not really. I'm part of various Facebook groups of like my suburb and surroundings. Mm-hmm. And people will say, oh, somebody's stolen my mail or my package. Or Has that ever happened to you? Have you heard of people having their like mail stolen from their front door when they're out? Or Funnily enough, I, I saw someone steal something from my front doorstep one time. What? Yeah, this Why didn't is, you lead with that when I was t- asking about- I forgot about it until you said it. No, I get a lot of this. There was a lady that sh- uh, I didn't realize there was anything on the doorstep. This is when I was still leaving at my mum's place a long time ago. And um, I was in the front room and I saw someone come to the doorstep and then leave with something like, oh, that's really weird. Maybe they were coming and dropping something off. You know, like they were dropping flies or something. That was my first thought. Yeah. But like, what the fuck's going on? So, I went outside and I kind of chased her down the street and I'm like, excuse me, like, did you just take something from the doorstep? And she was being very cagey about it. And I said, I just want to see the label. Because she was holding a package. And I'm like, yeah, she's totally stolen that. I want to see the label on it. And uh, she's like, no, you're... What did she say? I was like, not abusing her, but accosting her or something like that. Harassing. Harassing, yeah. And I'm like, well, I can't do any... Like, by this point, we're several doors down. Like, or maybe we're like almost in a park. And I'm like, I can't just grip this off this lady. I don't have any proof that it belongs to me yeah. or to my mom, whatever. It turned out, yeah, she totally did steal it. And it was a box of like, you know, vitamins or something like that. It wasn't anything particularly expensive, of but it was worth. still like a pain to lose. But anyway, about two weeks later, same deal. Like I'm sitting at, I was sitting at the desk and I was looking through the window and I saw this lady and a friend of hers walk past again, went into my mum's mailbox oh. and stole another package. What? And I was like, and I ran out of me like, what is- are you kidding me? Like, and I had a go at her and was like, because I found like in this time, I obviously found out that there was something that was supposed to be delivered and it was stolen. And, and, and you saw this person actually <clears throat> do it And I saw her do it again. Yeah. And she walks up the street. There's a little girl with him as well. And she's just hurling abuse at me. I'm like, I want my stuff back. She ended up throwing the package back. It's like, yeah, the, the goal of this lady. I called the cops on her the second time because I, I knew she'd like full on stolen something. But yeah, the first, the first time, like anything. you said, you couldn't really prove anything. In your- exactly. But like they couldn't do anything either because I didn't know who this person was. Well, that's so. exactly the point of this. There was this dude in America. He's an ex-NASA and Apple engineer mm-hmm. named Mark uh, Rober. And he, he had a package stolen from his, his porch in America. Police were like, yeah, we can't do anything, even though you have footage. There's just nothing we can do about this. Mm-hmm. So, he was like, all right, uh, I've got the fucking know-how to build some pretty slick fucking gotcha mechanism. <laughs> so, he, he creates this thing called a glitter bomb, and he leaves it out in on his porch, somewhere kind of obvious, so anyone doing what we've just, just described would be like, oh, that's an easy get. Mm-hmm. With this, when the thief opens it, usually like in their car or at home, it sprays glitter everywhere. Mm-hmm. And every 30 seconds, it sprays out this skunk-scented fumes. Oh. The best part is there's four cameras, um, four phones 
in the um, yeah right. There's footage of people opening up the package mm-hmm. and just being sprayed with skunk spray, glitter going everywhere. He told um Jimmy Kimmel in 2019 that it produces this like radio sound, so it sounds like the police. Mm-hmm. So the reason they do that is so that people go fuck, we're being like tracked or mm-hmm. and they chuck it out because he's like, yeah, well they've they've still got four fucking phones. Yep. Like um, even though they've got GPS in them, they can't really go into someone's house and be like, give me my glitter bomb back. Mm-hmm. That's a good little uh, segue into something I've been wanting to talk about for a while is comedians stealing jokes. Yeah. When I started looking into this, yeah, Jimmy Kimmel a couple of times has been accused of stealing jokes. Uh, the first one I found was him and, um, oh, it was Judah Friedlander? Friedlander? Judah Friedlander, yeah. yeah. From 30 Rock. Yeah, 30 Rock. Yeah, yeah. So the hat he- guy. The hat guy. Well, yeah, and that comes into it. Back in 2017, Friedlander. So, yeah, he plays Frank Rossitano in 30 Rock. He called Kim Lad on Instagram. So, Kimmel came out at the Oscars during his first year hosting. And I think everyone was dancing and partying. And when Kimmel came out, everyone sat down because mm-hmm. the broadcast was starting. And he made a joke about them giving him a sitting ovation, uh-huh. which apparently was something that appeared in 30 Rock. So, Friedlander was like, uh, Kimmel did my sitting ovation joke on the Oscars tonight probably stolen by one of his writers. I first did that joke years ago, even made it into a hat and wore oh, it on right. 30 Rock years ago. Not the first time a TV show has uh, done a joke of mine, and I'm well aware sometimes someone does someone else's joke un- unknowingly. That happens. But there are some TV writers who just want the job and have no morals and will steal. Joke stealing from TV show writers and commercials is rampant. TV has a lot of great writers who don't steal, but the joke thieves, and there's too many of them, always seem to squirm their way into a writing job and risk giving the TV writing industry a bad name. Yeah. So, that's pretty full on. Yeah, that's a lot. And so, what did, was there a, a response to that from Kimmel? No, like nothing I saw. Yeah. Um, and again, it's hard because most of those jokes at the Oscars, I imagine, he's got a team writing for him. And I think it's sort of, it's. I guess, the defense of that is it's hard to go and fact check not even fact Who's check. Like, how do you or- how do you go reference it? I had to fact check a, th- a little thing on a podcast, the podcast we did last time, like how to pronounce someone's surname. Because that's an easy thing to do. Go to watch your I- YouTube I video. I fucked it up all the time. Yeah, but then it's like, how do you check all these jokes? You know, it's it's impossible. You yeah. can't like go back and watch the history of television and movies to make sure that something has been said before. I mean, the thing is, the sitting ovation joke probably has been stolen, but it's also once you hear that, you go, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, you, there's there's. A lot to was be it, said. Was it actually stolen or is it a coincidence? That's yeah. the hard thing. Like, how do you prove, like you said, exactly. how do you prove? And and I can't imagine anyone on that writing staff is going to say, I stole that. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think we'll, we'll probably talk about this. Like, from what I understand, obviously, I'm not involved in comedy whatsoever, but I've, I've heard- funny some guy. St- oh, mate. Um, but I've, I've heard some stories about how this works in America with- um, with comedians stealing jokes and you know, people will not even so much stealing jokes, but fundamentally people are buying jokes. So if you present three or four jokes to a TV show, like a Jimmy Kimmel or a Jimmy Fallon or whatever, they might get on the air and the person that gives you the joke might get a few hundred dollars for it. So there's an industry there for yeah, that there's incentive to like, especially if it's your livelihood. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's, and, some, there's some good examples of that that I'll bring up soon. Yeah. Well, and I'll just say like, it also is difficult from, I'm not, I don't want to offend it too, but you th- take a like a Jimmy Kimmel or someone like that doing a a show every night. It's a lot of jokes, you know. It's, yeah, that's a lot for one person to come up with. That's why you have a room full of people writing the same jokes. It's just you got you. You have to trust your writers. Is yeah, the, is the thing, and there'd and be such a high turnover. Absolutely, and and this is the problem. People are obviously exploiting that. So, I wonder- uh, and stealing from people that might be. You know, there's lots of comedy around. Uh, particularly in pl- like, like there's comedy everywhere in the world. There's stand up 
everywhere. But the industry for it in New York or LA or whatever is considerably larger. There's things happening every night. Yeah. So, people writing jokes and if you want to be the person to hit record and take those jokes away and sell them to Jimmy Fallon for however much money, then that's kind of just terrible. <laughs> the um, I want to show you one more thing about Jimmy Kimmel before we go on to the next mm-hmm. um, little joke stealing thing. Uh, we're going to play a little something from uh, Tom Green and we'll be right back. Good morning, everybody. Just saw Jimmy Kimmel's latest post. Hey, Jimmy, what's up, man? Were you uh, painted your aunt? Ant's house, orange and green. Wonder where you got that idea. Come on, people. Does everybody have to just keep ripping off every single one of my bits? I love you, Jimmy, but, you know, you should at least throw me a little credit for that, man. I mean, the same setup, everything. Come on. When a stand-up comedian goes and steals somebody's bit, you know, they don't hear the end of it. But, you know, for whatever reason, every single TV show can go out and rip off every single one of my bits that I've ever done and claim it as their own. Give me a fucking break, all right? We're going to paint my aunt's house orange and green. You know what? That's funny when you think of it in 1994 and no one's ever done it before. Thank you very much. But um, I want a writer's credit, Jimmy. I want a writer's credit. Love you, man. I think you're amazing, but... I think yeah. you're amazing, but fuck you. So that was uh, from 2019. So that yeah. was pretty, pretty uh, recent. I love like that was that went from Jimmy Kimmel to like everyone fucking steals from me. Woe is me. And he would have been pioneering that style of comedy. But yeah, it's just kind of funny that Tom Green, who is considerably washed up now, is <laughs> calling people out and being like, everyone steals my stuff. Yeah, wanting it's- it credit and stuff it's like uh, it's yeah good on you <laughs> um but let's, let's talk about jay moore yeah go on. this the reason i thought about joke stealing was because of this story you've told you've talked about this guy oh yeah because um, it's just like times yeah i just think it's really funny um and just shout out because of all the joke stealing ones this is just one that always makes me laugh and it's yeah. um let's sorry before we do this go on i want to i want this to be a new segment can we call it troy story troy story <laughs> Let's do it. Uh, this is like in the extended universe of the Unpops Network, another podcast that I listen to. So shout out to them. But um, Adam Todd Brown, the host, just has a story about Jay Moore stealing one of his jokes about a mannequin. And I don't want to ruin the joke by telling it because I'm not g- good at just like telling <laughs> jokes like that. Yeah, and also, you don't want to steal his joke. I don't want to steal anyone's joke. Steal but that laughter. Adam's telling this joke and then a couple of like months later or whatever it is, or a couple of weeks later, there Jay Moore is on TV telling the same joke. So it's just kind of like, it's exactly what, what, what we're talking about with Jimmy Kimmel stealing these people's jokes. Because but that of seems, people- to me, I think that was likely intentional. Jay's taking it, I think was intentional, whereas Jimmy Kimmel could have, for him, it's probably not his fault. Well, I, this is kind of, lead, goes back to what I was saying though. I think there's just people out there that are going to these shows, these random stand-up shows, yeah. for example, and just like recording shit and I've taking a- it away and like or writing the jokes down as, they, as they're hearing it. And then, you know, so-and-so wants, uh, needs like jokes for their appearance on a, 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 a late-night show or something. And they just, oh, cool, go to the back catalog. Here goes, here's a few hundred bucks. And then you tell a joke. So, but, so, but J- Jay Moore, right? He, this is like super interesting because I started looking into him more after you get okay. it. More, more? After, <laughs> um, after you, you know, you mentioned that. So, um, he released a book in 2004 called Gasping for Airtime, Two Years in the Trenches of Saturday Night Live. Hmm. And he discusses intentionally stealing a joke off someone. Oh, yeah. Which, wow. Okay. This is really interesting. So, um, there was a comedian, or there is a comedian named Rick Shapiro, and he has this joke about an Ar- an Irish bartender and Jay being relatively like new to Saturday Night Live, and it's obviously high intensity. Mm-hmm. He said 
he saw the joke, he noted it down word for word, and then pitched it as a sketch. Oh, right. Um, uh, his own sketch on Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. Was he a writer on that show or is he one of the performers? I'm not both, sure. Both, both. Right. In his book, he says that like when, when, the, when the sketch was picked up for air, he just mm-hmm. knew he was fucked because he couldn't tell anyone or maybe he was too scared to. So I, I read the chapter in the book where he talks about this and he says for a few weeks after the show aired and that, that sketch in particular that he just ripped word for word, like he avoided going to, to comedy clubs because he was kind of worried he'd bump into Rick and uh, other comics would know what he's done, yeah. like flat out. And then he says a few weeks later, there was like a, a live dress rehearsal because like he hadn't really heard anything about it uh, like a, right. a few weeks after. And one of the producers, Ken called him over and was like, can you come over here? And like led him into this room that he'd never been into before. And there was a um, TV and a VHS, oh. a TV and a VCR. <laughs> yep. And um, Lorne Michaels sitting in a chair. And then apparently Ken was like, do you know a guy named Rick Shapiro? And Jay's like, nah. And then Ken presses play on a VCR and it's a video of Shapiro doing that act. Yep. And then Lorne said, you've, you've never heard of this guy or seen his act? And Jay said, like, he just goes, no, again. And then Lorne just stares at him for a second and goes, okay. And then Jay leaves. That just feels like you've been caught into the principal's yeah, office, right? caught red-handed. And then like, apparently Rick and his management, like, they, I think the reason that Lorne found out was because Rick and his management were suing the show, yep. which is, like, totally fair enough. And then Jay was, Jay says he doesn't know if any, like, there was a settlement reached or anything like that. But, and he was like, I should have been fired, but I wasn't. And um, he, he never saw Rick ever again. But if, but if I did, I would have acted like I, I didn't see him. Like if you saw him at a club, he'd just ignore him or be like, I can't face yeah. you. People would like, uh, you know, they'd point it out or they'd ask him about it. And he would say, oh, I don't know, man. Like I didn't write it. I just acted in that one. So I'm not sure where it came <laughs> right. from. So yeah, but it's, it sounds like now he knows that he's fucked up. And yeah. he's just like, yeah, I was a piece of shit for doing that. Way um, to go, man. You suffered no consequences. What year was this book written? 2004. But the, the book was written in 2004. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when it oh, came wow, out. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, he kind of... He's, at that point, I, it was, I think it was probably widely known enough that he probably just was like, I can't talk about my time on Saturday Night Live and not address this. Yeah. I mean, I suppose his punishment is that he's been a habitual like C-list actor for his entire career since then. So, yeah. no harm, no foul. It's like, I mean, oh, that's not true. Like, I think he's had he's had uh, talk shows and stuff, maybe. Uh, or but nothing like- Nothing like. He's yeah. never been a- He's not like Saturday Night Live kind of superstars. No, he's know? not like an Adam Sandler type. Yeah, and he's Farrell, not even Amy Poehler. Like, yeah, he hasn't really broken in that sort of way. Yeah, so. none of that. But, and it's, again, there's no, there's no legal- recourse for like comedians it's so hard to prove um there was i saw someone uh, in 2007 the comedian called david brenner he told um la times you have a better chance of stopping a serial killer than a serial thief in comedy i mean if you think about it how do you how would you go about trying to be compensated for it like even prove that you had the idea first right yeah but i mean not only that like the only way you can do it is to uh is to get lawyers involved, and that's expensive. But it happens in and, the music industry all the time. Yeah, it, I guess it does. But at what level is it happening? I think, I think like for you know uh, to give you an idea. Uh, well, have you got music stolen things on there? No. So um, that would have been really good though. Fuck. Yeah, way to go. <laughs> the two musicians talking about things being stolen don't address. Yeah, I know. Copyright. Well, Oops. I'll give you. I'll give you a quick idea. So uh, Joe Satriani. Are you familiar with yes. Joe Satriani? So. There is a Coldplay song that came out. This is going back 10 plus years. And the, this specific Coldplay song sounds identical to a Joe Satriani song. 
melody and chord changes and stuff, right? Yeah. Joe Satriani is an instrumental guitar player and Coldplay is Coldplay. So, I believe there was a lawsuit launched, you know, talking a decade ago um, for like a reasonable amount of money because Joe Satriani was is a very successful musician, very, yeah. very successful musician. And Coldplay is a very, very successful band. So, Joe Satriani has money to put into a lawsuit and Coldplay has money to put into lawyers to fight the lawsuit or at the very least pay the money. The settlement. Yeah, pay the settlement. With, yeah. And then it goes away because far out. I don't know how much he was asking and I don't know the specifics of it or the outcome, but Coldplay's Coldplay. It would have been, Coldplay, a, it so been a lot of money. It probably, but Coldplay's Coldplay, man. Like they're not going to, um, th- they could afford to do whatever they want. Um, yeah, you can look this up now. Um, whereas if you're a small time comedian or like, like even take it as a small time band, like think about, think about our mate from a couple of weeks ago, like suing Adam Sandler for stealing his lines. You know what I mean? Yeah. He didn't have money to put into a lawsuit. Like, like actual real money. So, what are you going to do? It just stops at a certain point. And same thing goes for comedians. If you're a comedian doing like, you know, f- just fucking random stand up, like open mic comedy bits, uh, open mic comedy nights for nothing, someone walks in and steals your jokes, what are you going to do? You probably don't have the money to, to throw out a lawyer for a couple hundred dollars an hour to go fight it for you. You just kind of give up. Yeah. And again, it's if it's one joke, it's like, well, fuck- next joke and yeah i think it's a big problem in the the comedy scene in america yeah and it's just so bizarre that you that you would like i can't imagine doing that taking someone else's material yeah and just flat out just selling it or doing it yourself like that to me is just mind-blowing yeah it's fucked like it's one thing with music because musicians can be like oh i was influenced by it or you know i didn't yeah yeah i kind of there's things in music like you know you can't copyright chord progressions so that helps and like you think about I was listening to the. Um, I was listening to New Music Fridays, like the Spotify playlist um, yesterday, and you know you hear the same lyrics, brain insane, all those rhymes. You hear that shit all the time. You're the first person to rhyme that. Are they going to be like you? Fucking everyone's like Tom Green. Everyone's exactly. fucking. Do you know what I also realized? Um, accidentally, this is kind of stupid, but like you know that song, "She's So High." Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who sings that? Uh, Tal Buckman. Sure. And um, I played that at a gig on Sunday because someone requested it. And I was like, oh, I'll just quickly listen to how this song goes and um, see if I can bust it out. So I did. And the little guitar melody in that, of which I won't play it or hum it to you because it's kind of hard to do. But like, I'm pretty sure I've accidentally used that melody in other songs I've produced. <laughs> like like note for note. Do you realize rhythm. you're providing evidence for a future lawsuit? Yeah. Here. Well, I can't even remember what songs I've used it in, but I feel like as I was One listening to songs. it, I'm like, man, this is like- really familiar to me. I think I've done this melody before, but you absorb a lot of that stuff and then it comes out at different times that you don't expect. So, it's, it's hard to go back and reference it again if you- um, Like that song that we recorded of mine not long ago and you're like, isn't this the Parks and Rec thing? Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, it's different enough. Fucking just leave me alone. Yeah, right? unreleased. If you if you go back, it will when Dan's album's finally finished by me- 2038. Yeah, in 2038 when I finally get around to mixing it and editing it. Uh, if you hear a song that sounds like Parks and Rec, let us know. <laughs> let us know if Dan's in trouble. Don't contact um, the- <laughs> who It doesn't it? sound like it. It sounds like it. It doesn't. See, again, it's so, <laughs> it's so so subjective. It's different enough. Yeah, so, yeah. exactly. See, uh, you hear that, NBC? Different enough. <laughs> a couple more things I want to touch on before <laughs> we before we wrap today's episode. I feel like we've discussed this before, so I won't stay on it long, but um, the Nicolas Cage comic book thing. 
Have we, have we talked about that on the podcast? I feel like that's familiar to Yeah, me. right. I love it now. We're almost at 50 episodes where like, we're going to start repeating ourselves. <laughs> yep, I love we're it. We're going to steal our own material. Sorry. I won't talk about this for long in case we have, but back in 97, Nicolas Cage bought Action Comics number one, oh, yep. which features the first appearance of Superman, and he paid 150000 US dollars for it, given mm. its grade, like how the quality of the- um, the issue. Mm-hmm. Apparently, he, he had that framed uh, in his house along with some other comics and it got nicked in 2000, wow. which you'd be like, fuck. And in 2011, so over 10 years later, someone brought the contents from like an abandoned storage locker in LA. You know, one of those shows like Storage yep. Wars or um, it wasn't one of those televised ones, just some random. Mm-hmm. And they found the copy of Action wow. Comics number one that belonged to Nicolas Cage. Jeez. Eventually, it made its way back to him. Mm-hmm. And then he sold it within a year at auction for, can you guess how much? So he paid, what did he pay? 150000 And What year did he sell it? 2011. Or he sold it within a year of getting it back. So in 2011, 2011, 2012. Yeah. Uh, definitely over a million dollars, surely. Two million one hundred sixty-one thousand US dollars. Yep. That sounds about right. Which was the highest price paid for a comic at that stage. Yep. That's You said Action Comics- Issue that, one, yeah. Issue so one. that's, that's like the, the first appearance of Superman. Yeah, yeah, the one with Superman holding a car yeah. over his head. It's like that completely makes sense to me. That's like one. I wouldn't say it's the rarest comic, but it's the most valuable. Like well, first appearance of Superman. What made it so expensive was his. Um, you can get things graded, so they'll give it a rate out of ten in terms yeah. of the condition of it. And his was one of only like a hundred great to be graded at a you know really high kind of level. So yeah. Fuck, man, we've talked about this in another episode, so... Yeah, but that, look, it, that's a good investment, really, if you can... Yeah, but he didn't, he, like, he, he, he lost it, so at the time, it was like, that was a shit investment, oh, maybe no, insurance. No, no, but, like, at the time, to buy that comic for $150,000 is, like, a very, very good investment. That was, like, if you've got the money to spend on that at, at the first place, and that was, you said he bought that in 97 or something? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, l- less than 15 years later, he's or approximately 15 years later to sell it for that much. You're making, he made a $2 million profit on that comic book. Yeah, fucking hell. So, that's very smart. But you have to have, that's, like, you have to have that money in the beginning to, like, drop on it. And you had to do that at a time when people weren't spending that money on comic books and hope it went up. So, it was, like, it was a risk, but it was paid off, you big, know, obviously. Big time. One more thing before we before we wrap, unless you've got anything else that you want to talk about. No, but just quickly, if you were in that situation, of I'm what? curious, of like f- finding the comic. Uh, not at finding the comic, but if you had a comic book that you knew was worth two million dollars, would you keep it or sell it? I would fucking sell it you in would? a second. Yeah, holy shit, man. Yeah, you would you definitely would you sell it now or do you wait a year or five? I would years sell it now. I'd you be like, yeah, no? I, I, how about you? I, I, no, because I couldn't. It's like I'd be. That's nuts. I would. Right? I'd probably have to sell it too. Yeah. But you know, there's um. You know, we should do an episode about um crypto. And, oh my god. And because I have no interest in crypto whatsoever. Yeah, I don't know the first thing about it either. Yeah, but we should do an episode. Be a great episode. <laughs> no, no, but we should do an episode about people that like. Just quickly, sorry, like slight tangent, but you know, are you familiar with Dogecoin? Oh, kind of. I know that was that's, all the rage. That's the one that in the last Ezel like month has like blew up. But then Elon Musk tanked it by going on SNL. Uh, that's a really funny <laughs> graphic if you if you've seen it. But he was pumping it up, pumping it up for like months leading up to this appearance, and then people like threw all this money at Dogecoin with the expectation that Elon Musk is going to go on SNL 
And then by doing that, it's going to just, he's going to mention Dogecoin. It's going to blow up and then it will be worth even more money. <laughs> and then you can watch the value of Dogecoin over the hour and a half of the show. And every time Elon Musk is on screen, it dips in value. <laughs> Are you for real? I'm serious. Yeah. See, yeah. Well, that actually- It's really funny. But the thing is with, with this uh, cryptocurrency, when it was, when it came out, say like a decade ago, again, I'm not, I'm a bit fuzzy on all the details of this. But it was worth nothing, like point something something of a cent is what it was worth. So there were people that would have invested in it at the time. If you threw a dollar on it and had, you know, thousands of Doge coins, yeah, yeah, it's meaningless then. But it got blown up so much that it was worth almost a dollar. So a dollar back then could be worth millions of dollars now. Do you know Jesus. what I mean? But there are stories of people that just bought it and got rid of it. Even the I think the creator of Dogecoin got it and sold it before they it was worth anything. Oh. But meanwhile, there are other people that have like millions and millions of dollars and the fucking creator just has nothing That's because nuts. of this thing, because you don't know when you, when to buy and sell. That's why I don't get into this stuff, man. Like, I'm like you. If if you tell me a comic book is worth $2 million that I have, I would sell that. There are <laughs> oh, other people that would be like, well, it's worth $2 million now. Maybe next year it'll be worth $10 million. Maybe next year so, it'll be worth fucking $5,000. Exactly. So, I think it's a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush situation exactly. for me. Whatever that so, means. But we should do a um, we should do an episode about that, about dumb crypto mistakes people have made because I think it'd be really funny. Yeah, actually, I like that. It's in the bank. It's, it's in the a, bank. It's in the bank. So, anyway, sorry. What's the last thing you want to talk about? Uh, bringing it home local and something that was lost and never found. Pretty funny story of this. there was this Aussie band, or there is an Aussie band called the Killjoys. Um, they won Best Independent Release in the, at the Arias in 1991 mm-hmm. for their debut album. So they were they were like they were celebrating on a ferry in Sydney Harbour. Keyboard player took the aria off the guitarist because she was like, "Oh, he's getting a bit too drunk," and she, she stumbled and accidentally dropped it over the edge of the oh, boat. No. <laughs> And they were like, oh, shit. The next day, they hired a salvage diver and paid $300 and it was just never found. <laughs> so, that's- uh, That's really funny. That's like one of those things that, you know, like when you're on a boat and you got a camera, you're like, don't drop it, don't drop it. Yep. It's one of, those, one of those like worst case scenarios and it's yeah. just- I love that with- um, Have you seen people with GoPros doing that? Like dropping it over into water or- Yeah, but then it's still like streaming on someone's phone. Oh, shit. So, you can like see <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. like no. sink to the bottom of the ocean. That's pretty funny. That's just so funny. Dropping an aria into the into the ocean, <laughs> to the yeah. harbor. Sorry, yeah, right, that's ocean water, isn't it? Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about? I think that's it. There's obviously endless. This could be a whole other podcast. We're just setting up a bunch of podcasts. Yeah, here. every episode there's a new idea for a new podcast. Yeah, we've definitely got up to episode fifty two plan now, which is pretty cool. We do. At As least. we approach episode fifty, was there a time early on that you were like, "Oh fuck, I don't think we've got any more episode ideas." Like every week, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Oh god!" And yeah, now they're just falling out of us. It's good. Yeah, let's go weekly. We go for quantity over quality. Yeah, boy, weekly. You couldn't handle it. I probably couldn't. Hey, I don't want to see you every every week. Yeah, that's true. Um. Hey, but listeners, if you want us to go every week, you just let us know. Well, yeah, if you have uh, if you have any ideas for episodes or you've lost something or if you've stolen something, Ooh. we have our podcast listener confidentiality uh, in place. So, if you want to email us what you've stolen- That doesn't exist. We'll absolutely just <laughs> well, say <I've> everything just- <laughs> on the pod. So, yeah, let us know. That sucks at thepodcast.com.au, you suckers. Yeah. And- um, yeah. Thanks Anything for- else you'd like to add? I'm all good, man. Just follow me on social media if you feel like it, at Troy Napperbarn. Yeah, head over to thepodcasts.com.au, check out all of our other episodes and Rewind, The Take, The Green Room. They're all there waiting for you. Yep. Cool bananas, man. Well, I guess I'll see you next time. Rate, review, subscribe. 
do it. So Rate, review, you... subscribe, and until then, I'll see you next time. Bye. That Sucks is a podcast from the Handshake Agency Network. Presented and produced by Dan Cribb and Troy Neverman. Recorded and engineered by Troy Neverman. Executive producer, Craig Chirik. Theme music by Dan Cribb and Troy Neverman. <laughs>